did a really good job of playing how limited the technology actually was. Oh man! At that like point. when I watched that film after seeing the kind of calculations they're making by hand. Oh yeah, it's like in a matter a, of under like five to ten seconds. You get a map boner with that shit, dude. All, <laughs> they bust out the compass and they're shooting bearings yeah, yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah total total <laughs> historical hard on. But anyways. <laughs> Hey, Altaro. What's going on? We got a podcast above in the blazer. If I was a listener, where would I go to find more? You can check us out on our website, thebuffintheblazer.com. Drew over there writes a article that goes along with every single episode. You can find all kinds of little extras on the articles, and you can listen to the podcast right there. Also, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, we're on Twitter, at Buff and Blazer. Follow us there. Get those clicks, people. The Buff and the Blazer. Welcome to the Buff and the Blazer, episode 31. I'm Drew, and as always, I'm with Mr. El Tato. What's up, man? How you doing? Doing good. Oh yeah, I think I'm a little bit on a high with this movie. Okay, that we're talking about today. This is uh, right out of the gate, huh? Right out of the gate, we're talking about uh, Greyhound, directed by Aaron Schneider and written by Tom Hanks. But I guess before we we dive into this immediately, we'll just say we have a little bit of housekeeping. If you guys already noticed, we did a bit of a twofer last week. And um, this week, our schedules don't quite line up, so we are going to take a week off. Yeah. So the twofer ended up working out pretty well. But we'll be back right after that one week. Right after that. And uh, it is, I mean, it's the movie cycle, just because everything's been a little off. So I think we were able to get two really timely films in uh, before the week off. So Word. You and I both, I don't know, were you able to watch it on uh, Apple TV Plus? Yes, I had to sign up for a seven-day free trial of the old Apple TV Plus. (laughs) And I have until, I have four more days, I believe, to cancel it before they charge (laughs) me. Yeah. It's not the most popular streaming service. But it's only five bucks, so I might actually keep it for a month just to peruse the content, see what they got. I bet most people have it and don't even realize that they have it because Apple includes it with a lot of your uh, hardware purchases. Yeah, like if you bought an iPhone or something, you get yeah. it. Um, but they were marketing this film pretty heavy. So, yeah, right off the bat, what did you? What were your impressions of it? It was, uh, okay, there were some things I really loved about it, and then there were some things that I didn't like about it, mainly the score. It really bothered me. But it was kind of unique in the sense that there was very little uh, character development, plot, storyline. There's very little groundwork that has to be laid for this story to, like, take place. And it's really just, like, a pretty awesome naval battle is the whole movie, essentially. Like, this 50 hours of... uh, 
outside the air cover zone in the Atlantic, and that's yeah. basically the movie. And I, I thought that was pretty unique for a war story. Just, just this one, almost like 1917, in the fact that that's like a zoom in on a really small fragment of a much larger story, and that's yeah. kind of how this is too. For sure. And I, I did enjoy it. I feel it would have been a lot better on a big screen. Oh, definitely. I like. I've, Absolutely. I've, like if it does, if, if theaters open back up or whatever and it went to an IMAX, I would go see it again. Have you ever seen movies on a 70 millimeter IMAX screen? I don't think so. Okay. Well, the screen is like so big that it partially curves. Okay. And it's like a stadium inside. Literally, that's how big it is. Yeah, I maybe saw of, it chapter two in that. Or no, yeah, think, chapter um, one. Chapter one. Well, I think it's the Edwards in Ontario. Yeah, that's that where has I, the 70 mil. That's where I saw the old uh, it chapter one. Yeah, okay. And it was a choice between that and Dunkirk. And I wanted to see Dunkirk and my lady didn't want to see a war <laughs> movie. So we went to see a horror movie instead. <laughs> and I had Did already you watch s- this one solo? Yeah, I watched this one at my little condo in the out-of-state place that I'm oh, staying right, right, right now. But it's a decent TV, but it was daytime, so it was kind of hard to see a lot of the night battle. Yeah. And I feel like the CG would have come across a lot better on a much bigger screen, especially like the German U-boats and stuff. Yeah. I've watched a few interviews that Tom Hanks did mostly that were produced by Apple TV. And um, I think you picked up on what they were trying to get across was this like magnifying glass of this one moment in a particular part of this Atlantic theater, this battle. The supply line, man. Right. He he basically just said that it's, you know, once you, you get into the ship and you're in there with the characters... It just creates this whole atmosphere. And the way I took this film is, like, are you familiar with any of the real, like, famous submarine movies? Like Hunt for Red October. Or Das Boot. Das Boot. No, I das haven't Boot's seen Das Boot considered, them. like, the single greatest submarine film No, I haven't seen it. Okay, well, I think this film is the perfect complement to a film like Das Boot. Okay. It's, Greyhound, for me, is essentially a submarine film that takes place on the opposite side above water. Mm. And I think they complement each other really, really well. And I was really blown away by how in just an hour and a half runtime, how much story they were able to get across and how lean the script was. There wasn't a whole lot of unneeded, unnecessary footage or scenes Minus a couple that I I can talk about in a bit. But um, for the most part, I thought it was really, really well executed and very efficient storytelling Yeah, for an hour and a half war film. Yeah, efficient is the right word because there's like no... They don't give the the audience any sort of like uh, little cookies of explaining maybe like the terminology on the boat and things like that. Yeah. Which I think is a strength. Like, you're not babying the audience. For sure. Like, if you don't understand the words they're saying, keep watching, and they keep saying the same shit so it'll make sense. Yeah. If you just pay attention. And I kind of like that about it. Yeah, definitely. And I will say that I saw 
the trailer a while back and I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about a film like this. And even some of the CGI scenes in the trailer, I was like, I don't know. It seems a little too CGI heavy and it seems like it's going to be one of those films that disappoints. And I don't know, maybe I was watching it with lowered expectations. That's why I was kind of taken aback, but well, it kind of exceeded my expectations a bit. Yeah, and it's like you can't film this shit for real, this type of yeah, action. No, no, no. Like, so they, it has to be mostly CG. And I was, like, kind of going into it, like, realizing that aspect. So well, maybe I'll I kind of liked it. At least in the trailers, I don't know. The CG didn't look as good to me as opposed to the entire film. Okay, that makes sense like, because there's a lot more... On my TV more, screen, it looked fantastic. Yeah, there's a lot more like in-the-moment anxiety when you're actually yeah. in it watching the movie right. than something you'll catch of like a three-second clip of in a trailer. For sure. I just like the fact that the story, like you said, it's a magnifying glass, but it's really this... The story is kind of on this enormous scale. Like there's... There's some really big action scenes in this film, but I like how you never really leave the deck of the ship. Yeah, yeah. For most of the film, you're you're almost on the ship entirely throughout like 98% of the film. Yeah, you never get a glimpse in a U-boat. You never zoom to another one of the destroyers. Right. It's like chasing U-boats down. And yeah, it's, it's really just that one moment, that one bridge room, that control yeah. room of that one ship. I mean, the, and then walking out to either side to see the yeah. carnage or the danger on its way. or. And I just love the perspective feel of being on the ship. So even when they're communicating with like another destroyer or using the binoculars to look at the rest of the ships in the convoy, I like how you never move on to the other side onto one of the ships. It's always from the perspective of the Greyhound. Yeah. And I think that works to such great effect because by the end of the film, you literally feel like you just survived the whole battle with them. Yeah. And you really get a sense of like how lucky they were to, to be at that point at the end of the film. Yeah. It really does a good job of taking you into that moment. Right. And 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 keeping you there for most of the movie. Cuz it's like yeah. it's like what? An hour and a half long and it's Yeah, like an hour and a half. Maybe what? 10-15 minutes of context in the beginning that kind of lays out the groundwork for Tom Hanks' character. Yeah. And then a about, little bit at the end, but it's like an hour and 10 minutes of straight battle. Yeah, and you're, you're like immediately almost thrown into the action. Yeah. They don't really take their time. I want to ask you, though, there's a, a beginning scene that doesn't play, take place on the ship between it, Tom Hanks and Elizabeth Shue. Is it San Francisco? Yeah. Did that... Did that scene take you out of the film at all, or did it seem out of place to you, or were you okay with it? Um, I mean, I was okay with it, considering there's, like, no character development in the movie at all to give mm -hmm. to give Captain Krauss a little bit of backstory and to yeah. lay out what this mission means to him in his career. Right. I thought was, was good. And then to kind of 
not over romanticize their relationship i guess is it is yeah. i think a, a strength because mm-hmm. it's not like a very comfortable scene no 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 so yeah it there's didn't, like a it didn't bother there. me but the, like that's literally the only emotional driver of the whole movie <laughs> in any type yeah. of way that one scene. and like i get i get why they put that scene in there to kind of give Captain Krause, that's Tom Hanks' character, some sort of motivation that gives you a little bit of a a layer to his character development. But I thought you could actually have cut that scene completely out, and this film still would have been great. Yeah. There's, it's so minimalist on that aspect. You could have just had the same kind of emotional connection with a picture of her. Yeah, for sure. And the little uh, trinkets, the slippers that she made him. Yeah. Like, literally just those two things. Yeah. But, I mean, that's really, like, my one major... It's not even a major criticism of the film. I just thought that maybe that scene could have been cut out. Before we move on, because I I do want to move on, because I want to address something you've kind of said a couple times already. Did you have anything else in terms of story that struck out to you? Because I, I, I do think we can get into character a little bit. Yeah. Um... Not really. I mean, it, it's it's so tight in terms of uh, development. You know, the whole movie takes place over a pretty quick time. I didn't have many problems with the story be- because yeah. it's just like not. There's not much of a story. There's not much of an yeah. arc or anything like that. So I guess there's not a whole lot of plot. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. There's like no twistiness. There's no catching off guard. Right. There's no confuse you and then take you another way. There's none of that. It's very in your face. Yeah, and very I, straightforward. And I like that for a war movie. And what I really liked is you don't get a lot. Maybe I may just haven't seen a lot of uh, war movies with some pretty intense naval action. It's always on the ground and or jet fighters or whatever you know but like straight on the water type of action i found really uh intriguing yeah and for me like there's not a whole lot of films that deal with this particular topic of these ships that escort transport vessels yeah it's not the glamorous part of wars but it's an essential part i mean attacking supply lines is the you know one of the oldest military tactics in history right and supply lines mean everything it's like look at you know world war Two on the eastern side on the other side of this you know russia just kept pulling back and pulling back and extending those german ex- supply lines like it's a big part of war and i thought it was cool to zoom in on it like this yeah yeah no i i definitely agree with you and dealing with this topic especially Films tend to be submarine-based. So, like, Das Boot we just talked about, which is a great film if you haven't seen it. I need to see it. It is, like, the pinnacle of storytelling in that genre of, like, the submarine film. And it's all in German. It takes place on the German side. You get to see the perspective inside the German U-boats on the opposite side, which is why I said this is, like, a perfect complement to this movie. Mm. And, um, yeah, as far as my memory there's not a whole lot of films that stand out 
that deal with the opposite side of that. Just because, like you said, it's not the most glamorous. Yeah. It's not the most exciting story on the surface. Yeah. Until you actually dig in. It's not like the front line storm in Normandy. Yeah. Heroism, nationalism, you know, type of stuff. This is like the logistical side of of war. And it it is worth noting too that this film is based on a, a novel uh by C.S. Forrester called The Good Shepherd. And apparently it's based on a true story. So it's uh it has it's to pretty be. remarkable. Yeah. There's too um, much there's too many details about um Captain Krauss for it not to be based on like yeah. a real dude. For sure. Because like I said before, he's the only one who has like an emotional attachment to the story yeah there is one thing though that i do disagree with you about okay whereas um i actually feel like there's a lot of character development in this movie okay but not in the traditional sense well yeah i don't um (laughs) there's so yeah i don't feel that way at all (laughs) so i'll explain so captain kraus we do get to know a lot more about his background just from that that opening scene with Elizabeth Shue. But I feel like the rest of his crew on the ship, you get to learn their tendencies, and you get to learn sort of their relationship to Captain Krauss and how they view him. Like, I'll take a character, Charlie Cole. That's his, I think, his first officer, uh, Stephen Graham. He's the one that's in the the room plotting out all of the projected courses and stuff. I feel like you really get a good sense of the intensity and a level of professionalism with his character and his loyalty to the captain just based off of his tendencies in the film. Well, I would say he's the only one that seems like he's been in war before. Yeah, he seems he's he almost the only seems one. like he's like he's been in longer than even the captain. Yeah. And I loved him in this film. Me too. Like, I always see him with a heavy, like, English accent. Yeah. Always really cool. And it was cool to see him put on his American accent. (laughs) And then even, like, the the main character. Oh, he's not a main character, but... um, And I don't even know who he is on the IMDb list, but the one that is communicating all the commands through the the headsets. The guy who's listening to Sonar or the guy that's just... uh... Oh, no, no. The guy who's just relaying the information to the bridge. Yeah. Even with him, like there's just little tendencies and intricate moments with even his character, like the sneeze. Yeah, is he is that he, Matt Helm? Yeah, is that him? Or, I believe so. Yeah, he, it looks like him. Lieutenant Nystrom. Yeah, but basically, so maybe it's not even individual character development, but it's more so the development of the crew as a whole. Okay. Like you get a very good idea of what the crew's all about. And I thought that that was really different. Yeah. Not so much different in the sense that it's never been done before because, like, Star Trek does this. Star Trek is <sighs> almost based on these old naval ships in space. Yeah. And you definitely get into those characters, but I think this is almost like what Star Trek would be in real life. This is Star Trek in real life. This is a crew, and you get to know them as a single body. And I don't know, to me, that that was, that was a different way of developing character as opposed to, like, this is so-and-so, and let's give you a little flashback into what his family's like. No, I and then know, bring but, you back on the bridge. 
but I don't feel like okay. I'll put it this way: I don't feel like any of the characters really like grew because I feel like Charlie Cole, Stephen Graham's character, was the same mode the whole the whole movie, like just straight okay. business, straight professional. I don't feel like he had any type of arc, okay, at all. And then with uh with matt helm like it's literally just one sneeze (laughs) like that's all it is and then the only other guy i can pick out is cleveland Mm -hmm. who uh he's another great character yeah great character and but i wouldn't say he gets developed in any way he's just like a good dude in the story and then the dude who is listening to sonar okay and I'm I'm not sure which which one he is. He's like the guy who's like down in the the bunker trying to read the rudimentary early sonar. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what I liked about a lot about the movie too. Is like they didn't have a bunch of like they did a really good job of playing how limited the technology actually was. Oh man, at that like point. when I watched that film after seeing the kind of calculations they're making by hand oh yeah it's in a matter of under like five to ten seconds you get a map boner with that shit dude (laughs) they bust out the compass and they're shooting bearings everywhere yeah Yeah, total total (laughs) historical hard on but anyways (laughs) like i was so impressed and i'm just like man i can't imagine what it would be like in that situation the level of professionalism and complete focus you would need in that moment to do that. Yeah, it's it's really impressive. It's really, really impressive. And it's almost like it's just with a lot of things in that era. Even pilots talking to, like fighter pilots today talking about how things were done back then. Yeah. A lot of them say that you really had to be a true pilot back then during those times because now you can lock in and you're set on like an automated autopilot course and you're barely flying the plane. Is your inner Tom Gun shining right now? Or Top Gun? Could be. Yeah, could be a little <laughs> bit. Um, I don't know that much about plane, plane battle, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, I had to bring it up because we're talking about boats. Yeah. Totally related. No, nah, I kid. Planes play um, an integral role in this story. Yeah. Uh, those, those uh, what are they called? PBYs, I think is what they're called. Those were really cool. Like They were scout planes, essentially. And then they got turned into these sub hunters. Yeah. But I do want to ask you this in terms of, so we talked a little bit about lack of character arc. Do you think that there's an emotional arc in this film? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I think do. there's a there's total a, emotional there's an arc. overall, there's a very yeah. overall group. Yeah. Like, like you, like you put it, you see the evolution of the crew and the mission and, and yeah, there's an emotional arc there. Yeah, and that's a kind of maybe why there's not that much individual character action because that's kind of the point of the yeah. story. Of it's like a group effort. Mm-hmm. They're putting their lives on the line so this convoy can get to the other section of the war where everyone else is putting their lives on the line. It has a very unifying emotional message. Yeah, and I liked how I really liked how they kicked off the plot of the film with giving them a victory like they had the first victory yeah and then that puts them on a high and then they almost immediately begin to get sucked down yeah, and then the the attrition begins right yeah 
and they go from like being on top of the world to literally being pulled down to hell. And I don't know, I just love that I love that roller coaster of emotion and it's very very stressful. Yeah. Yeah. I love films that have like all the tension and the build up and you just constantly feel on edge. And they they handle that really well with this film, I thought. Yeah, I agree with you there 100%. Some of like the you feel in it. That's I I can't explain it any other way. You feel in yeah. that like when the big guns are going off and they're firing off into the ocean. At, yeah. At, you know, shit they can barely see, like in those guns. Like, that's what I'd say about being in a big theater where it would be a lot louder. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> when those guns go off, the whole the whole camera's shaking and yeah. everything's moving. Like, you feel totally sucked in and you're standing in front of Tom Hanks on that boat. Even, like, all the yeah. tilting and stuff. Like, it's. Yeah. You really, really, it's a very immersive. And I, yeah, I want to see it maybe on, like, a VR headset or something yeah you know what that that would actually be i think worth doing some kind of vr transfer yeah with a film like this yeah and like you can imagine even the scenes where they're using the binoculars like that would be so cool on vr <laughs> um but yeah i told you this when we were talking a little bit that i had my my little sound bar here blasting mm. <laughs> like i probably would have blown it out yeah but it just it heightens everything, and I love the uh, the scenes where they were too close to the U-boats, where they were firing over it. Yeah. Those were so intense. It, <laughs> it made you see, because it's very easy to think in your head how accurate certain big guns are, and they yeah. really played up how inaccurate a lot of the weaponry is. Oh, for sure. Especially they're all working off, you know, sight lines and bearings and the ship's constantly zigging and zagging and turning. Like, it was really, like, shined a really bright light onto how intense naval warfare is. Yeah, I just don't know how you even guesstimate bearings and coordinates with U-boats when you literally can't see them. Yeah. Even with your primitive radar, like... There had to be just something intuitive there with either like in these guys training or they just seen it so many times where it just becomes second nature. But that's fascinating to me. Yeah. It's it just had such a realistic feel. Yeah. It just For sure. It just was there's so much error. I'll put it that way. There's so much error in everything they're doing from the technology yeah. down to making calls on which directions to turn the ships and like and the margin of error is just yeah, huge. Yeah, the margin of error is massive. And on both sides, too. It's not like the Germans are, are infallible and they're just blowing shit right. out of the water left and right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just... And there's so many, like, really cool different... Like, the depth charges that they're releasing. Oh, and yeah. And then, like, the decoy propellers that freaking the Germans are released. Like, it's... There was I so many... I didn't know many, that was a thing. I don't know if it is or not, but, like, I'm sure it's a really well-researched and accurate yeah, movie. I'm it sure it was. Feel. But, like, just those little glimpses into, like... And they don't give you any, any context. So when they... When the, when, the, when the Germans first put out that decoy thing, mm -hmm. I thought that was, like, a bomb. Did you? I thought oh, it was like, like a, a delayed explosive. Yeah, like it was gonna float up and then yeah, go that's what I thought under too. the ship. And that's what I thought too. And then just to have it spinning there, it's like there's so many cool details about warfare, 
like these little technological things that just get lost in the overarching story. And I thought yeah. they shined a light on a lot of that, you know, and it's really For cool, sure. really cool. It, yeah, it's literally like a game of Battleship. Like you're almost just guessing. Yeah. But they guess with just complete, I don't know, intuitive accuracy. It's really weird. But I was so impressed by that. I love stuff like that. Me too. I can't get enough of that detail. <laughs> you mentioned, um, I guess, the margin of error with the film. And you mentioned the relaying of messages between the radar sonar room and the bridge. Yeah. Did that dialogue ever seem clunky to you at times? Because I'm sure it's completely accurate. Yeah. But at first I was kind of taken aback when I, when I first got into it and they started barking out like the naval commands yeah. and repeating everything. I was like, oh, wow, this is kind of uh, kind of clunky, but I'm sure it's completely accurate. I think it's meant to give a really realistic perspective on the dialogue that's going on in a situation like that. It's yeah. like everybody has to be locked in. Everybody has to know the jargon completely, and they don't lay any of that out for the audience. They just expect right. you to start to pick stuff up Yeah, as the movie goes on. Right. And I really like that. You know, it's yeah, like, how are you going to explain that? And how are you going to write a movie? Like, are you going to have deep conversations going on between characters as this madness yeah. is going on. It's like, no, that's like, that's what the dialogue is. It's commands. It's literally nothing but commands and relaying information along yeah, a sure. telephone line. I like, yeah, I, I you, actually really like that. You put it really well in the beginning where you said they don't like spoon feed the audience. Yeah. It's kind of, they just expect you to strap in and get, go along for the ride. Yeah. That's what, yeah, that's a massive strength of this movie. I'd say. <laughs> and, like, there's little things just, like, I was listening a lot to the directions he was giving in terms of changing the direction of the ship and then throttling up and down. Yeah. And it seemed so drastic from what I know of driving boats, like, just little boats, like uh -huh. little speed boats or whatever. But it's always you, you're doing these very gentle turns and gentle with the throttle if you're like pulling someone wakeboarding and to hear him throwing out you know go all the way to the to this side and and drop that propeller all the way down and then all the way back to this side it's like it seems really <laughs> drastic but yeah. then you think about the situation in there and and that's probably how they would have had to be maneuvering well and the other thing so too, like, much danger in the water yeah, and a lot of times, too, weren't they... I remember them mentioning, like, at times they were going, like, six knots. Six knots. Which is, like, extremely slow. <laughs> Do you know why it's six knots? No. So... Oh, like the history of nautical miles? No, no, no. This is a good point to get this in here. So Tom Hanks, oh, cool. Tom Hanks did an interview on uh, Dan Carlin's... Hardcore History Addendum feed. It's like the the counterpart to Hardcore History. Tom Hanks did a movie about, or did an interview with Dan last week about this movie. And six knots is the speed at which U-boats can travel when fully submerged. When they're on the surface, they can jam. 
Oh, But when yeah, they submerge, yeah. they drop to six knots because apparently everything is ran on battery power when they're fully submerged. This is all stuff that's in that interview that's super cool. Oh, wow. And uh, that's a little thing that would just, like, you caught that it was six, six knots, right? I, yeah. I wouldn't have known that it that was a thing. I might have been like, yeah, six knots that slow and had the same reaction to you, but I listened to the interview and that's what I'm getting at. Like they're not spoon feeding anything. It's like there's right. all these little things that are awesome. accurate that probably some people who have have knowledge of that type of warfare would know why it's sick knots. Yeah. Well, but this most is a good point to mention. Did he talk about Dale Die on that podcast? I at can't all? remember specifically. Okay, so so Dale Die is a, a military advisor. He was like a former captain in the Marines, but um. He's been on every, like, Hank Spielberg collaboration. This has of, a lot of Spielberg vibe on the damn score. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that, Because, <laughs> yeah, I also have some strong opinions on that. But um, so he did, like, Saving Private Ryan. He was an advisor there. He was an advisor on Band of Brothers, The Pacific. So all these really high-quality, realistic World War II films that have come out, he's advised on. And it was cool to see him as an advisor on this one. So I'm sure a lot of that detail comes from his background too. Yeah. And which is and, pretty interesting. And yeah. And getting back to the clunkiness of the dialogue, it's like, it's, it's a hyper realistic yeah. look in and that's why it feels clunky because people screaming these random commands back and forth. That's like the only dialogue yeah. that would be permitted. Like even, right, right. even in parts of the movie where, where uh, captain Krause has a slight, slight conversation with anyone. Right. Yeah, it's very short, and it's not. It's like it's deep, but it's it's so short that it's it's like it's just a little nugget of emotion, and then it's back to the intensity. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, like at first, when I when you first get into their jargon, it seems clunky, but then you almost immediately just become used to it. Yeah, and I did I did appreciate. Yeah, it's it seems extremely realistic. Like they're barking out the the same command through three different people. Yeah, and it's like very relayed, and it's I don't know, it's it was just really well done, and I, that's really cool to know about the six knots. Yeah, you should listen to that interview. There's a bunch of other little snippets that Tom Hanks gives in that interview. How, yeah, I had no uh, idea. So Captain Krause, in the beginning when they're when he has his scene with Elizabeth Shue, and he talks about how this is like his first mission. And he's sick of being fitted and retained. He's, yeah, he says that. Mm-hmm. And apparently, the the guy it's based off of, Captain Krauss or whatever, had been in the Navy for a really long time and never seen battle and never been promoted. He was just always kept in the position he was in. And when they keep oh. you, when you keep, when they keep you in a position, they just when your review comes up, it just says fitted and retained. And then you just stay in your thing. No more money. And those are other oh. little snippets that like most, most people, I wouldn't have known at all if I didn't listen to that interview, but military people probably know exactly that. So there's like little snippets in there of accuracy that are probably going to hit home with a lot of military folk. And that's kind of cool. That level of detail. Do you think that that's, has anything to do with in the film? He seems very comfortable in that position and very, very seasoned. 
but at the end you find out that that was really his first go yeah yeah that's the whole it, yeah that's like the whole arc of of him yeah right and that that it's meant to kind of shock you at the end that's like <laughs> that was the first time i've ever done it yeah <laughs> and you would never know he sunk like what four u-boats on his first go around yeah and it, yeah the, the whole story is just kind of unbelievable but but very i guess realistic did did yeah i don't think it's did, that unbelievable did tom hanks say that they kind of really stuck to his real life uh experiences yeah tom it's like the it's the he adapted the screenplay directly from the book and i believe the book is based off of the the real experience and the real dude wow so that's awesome and they and i would say they did justice to it they didn't slap a bunch of stupid romance or or some other hollywood shit into this movie yeah. they did it really just really raw and uh really bare bones in terms of what the story is and i actually think that's a major strength for sure before we move on where was there any characters that you liked in particular even though i like the dude who is i like cleveland a lot rob morgan i liked yeah. uh I like the guy who was, I think this is who it is. Maybe not. No, the guy who was running the sonar. Yeah, he was. He's like a young. They're all super young looking, mm-hmm. but he's like a like I could relate to him from like a technological standpoint. Uh huh. He's like messing with this new kind of not very refined <laughs> technology, <laughs> yeah. but the consequences of reading this technology are so large. Yeah. I really liked him, and I'm not sure what his name was in the movie. I think they only say it once. But, no, I mean, they're all kind of really great characters in their own right. And I guess you what, could you consider the crew its own character? Yeah, I would lump like it all together. A, I, yeah, the crew have, is a singular character. Like Tom Hanks, I would say Cleveland stands out. Yeah. And we won't say why. And... The crew as a For unit. Sure. Yeah. And I would even say the mission itself is a character in the movie. Like the, okay, the yeah. convoy is a character. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Because whenever the convoy gets beat up and you feel it every time. Yeah. And I like that they didn't zoom in on some of the tragic things that happened. They, yeah. they left it at the perspective it would have been from another boat, right? Right. So it's like, oh, yeah, you just see a ship burning and going down in the distance. That's it. Yeah. All you can do is radio to a ship that's close by, like, try and save some dudes. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's some heavy shit. And the word you used is, like, on point, uh, immersive. That's what this film is. Yeah, very. Completely. Yeah, so it, it definitely works on that level. Do you have any uh, last things to say about any other characters? No, no. I think. Oh no, yeah, I do. The fucking okay. Germans are awesome in this movie. Oh yeah, the heckling uh, yeah. Germans. Yeah, dude, <laughs> heckling over the radio, howling. Oh, preaching I ask the you prophecy this. of Im- their imminent demise. It's great, dude. It's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> They're definitely heckling. Um, there's this weird audio thing that goes on every time you see a German U-boat under the water. And it's, and like, it's a, like a whine. It's like a uh, it's like an evil whale type of noise. Okay, what I was going to ask you is that's what I thought. That's because they're my they're the wolf pack. 
Yeah. I guess that's what the name of this particular group is called. Or I don't know if that's just what they called German U-boats in general. Well, they had like wolves and shit painted, and they say it over the intercom, the gray wolf is going to take down the gray hound. Yeah. So while it didn't sound like any kind of wolf noise I've ever heard, I was wondering if that was like literal wolf kind of effects or audio that they placed every time you saw one of the U-boats under the water. No, my like brain... That weird my brain went to like a evil troop of orcas. Okay. <laughs> that's that's like what I was imagining, like a like a really badass orcas with tattoos kind of noise. Angry free willy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think I think I don't know if I think this might be close to accurate, but I believe orcas descended from like a wolf like animal. Way, 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 way. Millions and millions of maybe Oh. You know? Okay. Because they hunt in packs and shit underwater. Crazy. And they, yeah. yeah, they're super smart and scary as hell. Orcas are terrifying. But that's the vibe I got from the sounds of the U boats. Yeah. Because there is like some really heavy sound effects. Yeah. That give like this weird ocean, vast kind of fear. This vastness yes. type of fear vibe. Right. But I thought it, they were whale noises. <laughs> okay, cool. But yeah, definitely uh, some kind of audio motif going on every time you saw a U-boat. Yeah. Just like whine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's get into a bit of some of the really, really great techie filmmaking stuff. The strongest part of the movie, I'd say. Yeah. So despite my initial concerns that this the CGI wasn't going to be very good for this movie... It was outstanding. I, I, I think it's probably the best job you can do on this scale in terms of... It looks like almost everything in the film was CG. Yeah, right? They probably had a set of the, the, the couple of rooms. Yeah. And everything else was CG. Right. But everything just seemed really realistic. Everything looked like it had weight to it and the way the waves like shake the bow of these ships and stuff. It's just really, really well done. Yeah. I like that you emphasize weight because some of the tilting of the ships is like so hardcore. And some of like the close contact with other ships has such a realistic vibe to it. Yeah. And the kind of lumbering nature of these big, destroyer i think they're destroyers right i think they're destroyers yeah yeah like the lumbering nature like they're they're quite maneuverable yeah but it looks like they're gonna flip over a lot of the time <laughs> yeah absolutely. it makes you like really kind of nervous and kind of they're like a like a floating buoy seasick. yeah <laughs> and that's about it you get a little bit of u-boat mobility but all the convoy ships and stuff they don't they're not they're not like featured Right. Besides one. But, no, uh, everything's very honed in on the Greyhound itself. Yeah. Um, I thought it was great, man. I was didn't at one point in the whole movie be like, oh, that's a bad CG section. I liked all of it. I loved any time you would see tracers being shot off the bow of the ship. Yeah. And what that looked like when it's hitting the water and they're missing their target. Like, I remember that's one of the things I took away from Saving Private Ryan that I had never seen before is gunfire that looked so realistic. And they definitely brought that over to this film. 
like I said, those scenes where they're they're so up close to the U-boats and overshooting them at such a close range, that was some really intense, really well done special effects work. Yeah, and and you know that was probably a tactic too, right? Oh yeah, to get that close. Yeah, and the torpedoes moving through the water. What I really liked about that is because they would show them like at a pretty long distance away, and like the bearing. Yeah, they 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 paid so much attention to. You know, direction of travel of torpedoes and trying to outmaneuver them. Right. It's just so interesting, man. And I I just <laughs> love when they would show the torpedoes like hundreds of yards away in the water and you can like barely see it, but you can see its tr- its path that it's moving on. Yeah. Um, another really intense moment in the film that I thought was really well done is. And it's really kind of a simple sort of action. It's when the U-boat surfaces and they're able to get some machine gun fire onto the Greyhound. Yeah. Like you would think after watching Saving Private Ryan or Band of Brothers, what have you, that you'd be a little bit less kind of blown away by the intensity of something like that. Yeah. But you really see how kind of devastating those weapons of war are on the deck of a ship as it's like penetrating steel walls and windows. (laughs) Yeah. It's really scary and intense. And make you jump. For sure. You know, it's like, whoa, like super real. And you get to see some of the effects of that, and it's just, it's so ultra-realistic and well done. And it goes back to that whole idea that we talked about in 1917 where they do a good job of portraying just how brutal warfare is, even on a ship. Yeah. Where you feel like you're protected and safe. Yeah. Um, Just a little moment like that raises the stakes even higher and i thought that was really well done and it has a very different vibe than on the ground war yeah because you don't you don't see everything and i thought they did a good job like when the fire breaks out on the boat it's like you don't they don't ever be like go into the control room and explain exactly what's wrong it's just like all captain kraus knows is that shit's on fire (laughs) <laughs> yeah. it needs to get handled and he needs to get back and fucking turn the boat this way and yeah like it's just this non-stop well and the other great thing level. too is like talking about the fire you never are up in on the fire you're no. only over like looking over the bow yeah and peeking from the side as they're trying to put it out yeah and like you said it goes back to that real first person like immersion that I don't know. They they just did a really good job with with making you feel like you were on that ship with them. Yeah, and the whole look of how it's daytime and then it shifts to night, and then it goes back to daytime and then shifts to night again. So yeah, shout out to the director of photography, Shelley Johnson. He he's done. He has a pretty extensive filmography, but it looks like he did Captain America, the first Avenger. <laughs> he was he was the uh, director of photography on Bill and Ted Face the Music. Really? Yeah, so that'll be really interesting. Nice. Uh, but yeah, great job. And I think it is worth mentioning, too, that the audio, the sound mixing of this film is really, really well done. The Okay, so I have extremely mixed emotions Okay. about the audio. Let's talk about I it. I love all the action audio and all of like the effects that go along 
with the warfare. So we're talking about like water, guns. Yeah, all of that. Creaking of the ship. I loved all that. I absolutely okay. hated the background music. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. We're going to talk okay. about that. <laughs> okay. I'm talking strictly on the sound effects. Okay. Well, then that's like a A plus, dude, all the way yeah. around. Like, I think this film is Oscar worthy in terms of sound mixing and sound editing. That's how well done this is. And it's going to give you a totally different experience if you can either listen to this film on really good headphones or have a really nice stereo setup and turn it up real loud. It enhances everything going on and makes everything so much bigger. Yeah, I definitely say this a film like this is Oscar worthy for sure in the sound department. Yeah, when those big guns are going off over Tom Hanks' head, the sound yeah. is like so intense and like the rattling of everything. Yeah. Like even if, the clicking of switches, the sound of radar pings. It's yeah. just also very realistic. And that scene I mentioned where they get shot up in the on the bridge with machine gun fire, like the clanking of shells ricocheting and stuff like that. It's just very, very realistic. Yeah. I'd say not that I've ever been in a situation like that. Yeah. Me neither, but it felt like it, right? Yeah. I imagine that that's what it sounded like. All right. So let's talk about score because you seem to have some very strong opinions. I hated it. (laughs) Hated it. Why? Absolutely hated it. I just hate the overly dramatic super duper it's almost like star wars level you know like i just yeah hated it it every <laughs> time and i get uh, that they're like trying to play up the emotional triumph with the yeah. music mm-hmm. but i would prefer the natural sounds more and just the emptiness in his all of his perceptions because he's been going especially at the end of the movie it's so bad but he's yeah. been like going so hard for you know three and a half days or whatever, or two and a half days, and yeah. I would much rather at the end of all that it just be silent. Yeah, I think I it would you. carry much more weight on an on emotional level. Okay, all right, I largely agree with you. Okay, I'll say one area of the film where I think score helps a little bit because I'm definitely not over the moon about the score is. Um, during some of the really intense, like stressful scenes where they're hunting some of the subs down, especially the first one, I thought it does give you a sense of pace and tension in some parts. But aside from all of that, I thought this score was extremely generic. Yeah. And extremely just, it's been done a million times. And you know, Jurassic Park, Star Wars, like it's a very. Generic is the perfect word. Yeah. And I mean, like, those films at least laid the blueprint for classical film scores. And I'm talking that this isn't even your traditional classical film score. This is all very electronic. You got the taiko drums, like, blaring in the background. You, you see that in every modern film these days, <laughs> in every trailer. Just the doom, doom. Yeah. It's, it's so overdone, and yeah. I'm so over it. Yeah. Me too. And so I was a little bit disappointed with that. Like, I just wish they could have gone a little bit more outside of the box with score. And they were just, they just totally relied on the tricks of the trade that you see everywhere. Yeah, it was the only part of the movie that felt cheesy to me. 
yeah. everything else felt great. For sure. And I, I thought it did kind of, it was out of place in the sense that the score seemed like it was very, very modern for such a, such a period piece film. Yeah. Like, this is the kind of stuff I hear when I watch, like, a trailer for Inception. Okay, so I feel different. I feel like this is, like, almost cliche type of music for this period. Really? Yeah, like cliche war music. Oh, okay. This music represents an entire nation or whatever. Like, I just, I don't know. It, yeah. it rubbed me the wrong way all the time. <laughs> well, it must not be that good because it rubbed us the wrong way for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for me, it is like cliche in the sense that every film made from like 2007 up has been made in this style. Thank you, Hans Zimmer. I love you. <laughs> I love you so much, but you started a fad that I just despise. No, man. Give me some Atomic Blonde soundtrack. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, no, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. I was a bit annoyed with the score for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> we finally agree. I think this is the first one we agree on with score. Right. But we, <laughs> but we both dislike it for different reasons, so we still yeah. disagree a bit. All right. Well... Yeah, we've reached that, that point of the show where I think we can talk a little bit about our love-hates. Uh, let's start with you. All right, so I loved how realistic the movie was and how it takes you into this moment in this little tiny section of a massive story and keeps you there for the bulk of the movie. That's what I love the most about it. And what I hated about it's probably obvious is the score. Like it actually like <laughs> definitely knocked knocked it down for me. I absolutely hated the score. All right, fair enough. Uh for me, I loved the fact that in essence this movie is a submarine film told from the perspective of things going up above the sea. Mm. And uh I liked how lean the script was in terms of being able to tell their story in an hour and a half. I wish more films were made that way because I feel like when you hear World War II, you default. You're like, this film has to be at least two hours long. Yeah, there's like a burden of context, right? Right. And this film is just a perfect case study of showing you that you can do a great story, a very captivating story, in an hour and a half. And I love that about this film. And that only works when your director and writer are on the same page and you're able to craft a script that has little garbage in it that's all relevant to the story. And I wish more films did that. Mm. And like you, my one hate of the film, and I'm going to call it a hate because I really disliked it, unfortunately, was the score. I just wish, I felt like with a film like this that's kind of innovative in a sense in terms of the story it's telling you could have done something a lot more creative with the score. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was a little let down by that. And also I felt like another dislike of the film, while it's very minor, was like I said, those scenes in the beginning between Tom Hanks and Elizabeth Shue. Okay. I felt like you could have gotten just as good of a story by cutting that out. Yeah. But at least it's there for a purpose and it gives a little bit more depth to Tom Hanks' character, Captain Krause, so it's not completely unnecessary but I feel like you could have still gotten away with what the story was trying to do without having that. 
Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, but I mean, you take that out, and the movie's what an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, so it's I mean it's fine. the The script is very efficient. Yeah, and I I appreciated that. So, what do you got? What do you got for this movie? What are you giving it? Uh, this is another sober movie, so maybe I'm a bit more critical. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm giving it four bong loads. So it's, right. it's extremely well done war movie, but the score is so bad that it really knocks it down more. It knocks down a full, full bong load. All right, fair enough. I guess more importantly, though, would do you recommend this movie? Yes, yes. I mean, the Apple TV Plus thing kind of sucks. Is it Best, worth a trial sign up for Apple TV? Yeah, Plus? just make sure to de- to delete it because they'll charge you automatically. But it's only five <laughs> bucks, so we'll see. We'll see if they'll if I'll stick around with Apple TV Plus. But I just hate that it didn't get to come out in the theater, the big theater, because this is like an award winning movie in a big theater. Yeah, and I know I heard that Tom Hanks was extremely disappointed that this wasn't released theatrically. Yeah. It and I know he said that a couple times. Would have been much better. For sure. Would have had much more of an impact, but I also think the music would have been so loud that I would have felt just as shitty about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might have been a little more blown away at the at the visuals, <laughs> but I still would have been pissed. Yeah. Makes sense. I am also going to give this film four buckets of popcorn. Okay. We, we uh, match up, huh? Yeah. It exceeded my expectation for it it's not perfect by any means but i felt like this was some of the most effective efficient storytelling i've seen in a while mm. yeah this film is is extremely lean and it does a great job and i loved i was just delighted that the film was an hour and a half <laughs> yeah it was nice yeah really really Movies nice are trend in the other direction it was a nice little shake-up for sure yeah, I just I have to give it to them. Uh, they did an outstanding job of of telling the story that I feel they wanted to tell. Mm. And by the end, you really feel like you were part of a journey, part of a moment. Yeah, yeah. And you, you definitely, definitely get a sense of payoff at the end. Yeah, there's payoff, and there's like an emotional attachment with the watcher because it just sucks you in so good. For sure. But yeah, that's uh, that's all I got. You got anything else, Altado? I got a cat screaming behind me. Don't know if you could hear that or not, but that's about it. <laughs> oh yeah. Now the the uh, official mascot of the Buff and the Blazer podcast. Kingson <laughs> says this episode is done. <laughs> all right. Well, like we said, everybody, we're taking the week off. You guys got a bit of a two for last week, and we're giving you Greyhound, which we Altado and. And I both highly recommend. Yeah. Uh, however, you can catch it uh, if, if you're doing, if you already have Apple TV Plus, or you're going to do the trial. It's definitely worth an hour and a half of your time. You will not be disappointed. We yeah. don't think. And even if you do forget to delete it, and you have to pay five bucks, it's definitely worth the five bucks. <laughs> for sure. But that's all we got for you. That's been episode 31 of the Buff and the Blazer. We just discussed Greyhound, and. We hope you guys have an awesome week, and we will see you on the next episode. Peace.